are very pleased to have Andre Lewis as our keynote speaker. Andre graduated from Boston University School of Law, immediately joined the administration of William Jefferson Clinton. Andre left the Clinton administration in 1999, working in a variety of, of political and public service positions. In October of 2009, he was appointed by President Barack Obama to the newly created position of Deputy Assistant Secretary for International and Foreign Language Education. Well, that's even longer than NYSEF, though, <laughs> uh, at the Department of Education. In this capacity, he oversees implementation of President Obama's and Secretary Duncan's priorities for international and foreign language education at the K-12 and post-secondary level. So now, please help me welcome Mr. Andre Lewis. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. Hello. Hello. I uh, feel a little informal here, so I took my jacket off, because I always get hot at these things. And um, is it dim in here, man, or is it just me? Can you guys see me? See me? You can hear me? You know, let me tell you. Um, I've been I was talking to a, fo a few of your folks here, and uh, you know, I, I I'll get into you know I'm happy to answer some questions afterwards, and I and I did you know write a speech, some remarks for tonight, but um, you know, talking to some of the folks here, let me just tell you, it's it's a very tough budget time right now, and that's why I mean I spoke to uh, a similar organization in Georgia about two or three months ago. And um, that's one of the reasons why I kind of love getting out and, and talking to you folks, because you're the ones that are kind of out on the front lines, you know, teaching our kids uh, foreign language. And, um, and this is, um, you know, I come from Washington, so I'm seeing everything from kind of a national perspective. But uh, it's really only when, when we in the administration get out and, and talk to you all out in the trenches as it were, and hear from you that we can kind of really get your perspective. But I can tell you right now that we are going through the same thing that you're going through at the state level. And it's, it's a question of, um, of uh, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul kind of right now. And um, one of the things I always like to say is, is it's not going to be like this forever. Okay, I don't think it was like this 10, 15 years ago. And uh, when I was in the Clinton administration, times were tough in the beginning. And then towards the middle and the end, the economy picked up. Uh, you know, interest rates came down. We started paying down the debt. And then by the end, program funding went up, and we left a surplus rather than deficit, which some of our friends in the following administration kind of, you know, messed around with a little bit. But that's a, another discussion. Uh, even though I was in Boston, you know, went to uh, law school there and, and kind of grew up there as a kid before I went to California. I want you all to know I was born in Manhattan. So I'm a native New Yorker, right? Like a lot of the people in this room. But uh, that being said, it's a great pleasure to be here. And I thank John Carlino for making this happen. And, uh, and I'm glad to be here in front of the New York State Association of Foreign Language Teachers. As uh, you said, where is she? Uh, there you are, okay. I am the Deputy Assistant uh, Secretary for Foreign Language and International Education. 
at the U.S. Department of Education. I've held this position now for about uh, two years. And um, I, I, I do want to recognize your strong leadership in preparing and enhancing the profession of foreign language teaching in the state of New York. The advocacy that all of you do on behalf of foreign language education has a wide-ranging impact throughout New York and across the United States. This organization truly serves as an exemplary model, as we were kind of talking about earlier, for advocating the importance of foreign language education in the, in the United States. In my current position, I focus on the department's efforts to support international and foreign language education, primarily at the K-12 and post-secondary levels. The office that I administer, the International and Foreign Language Education Service, or IFL, consists of 18 programs that all, in their own way, focus on all of our shared goals. Our university programs support area study centers in more than 100 foreign languages and related courses. They give hundreds of fellowships to undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral candidate students each year to continue their language and area studies to the advanced level. They also support the internationalization of business programs at universities to, to enhance our economic competitiveness and a variety of other efforts, including providing overseas travel for K-16 teachers, graduate students, and faculty through our Fulbright-Hayes programs. Has anyone here, by the way, taken advantage of any of our programs to travel overseas from the K-12 level? You know that we do that? Okay, you need to go onto our website and and seek that out because that's one of the ways that we enhance our foreign language teaching capabilities is by funding people like you to go overseas and kind of learn about cultures and languages firsthand and bring that knowledge back to the classroom. Um, before I go any further, I'd like to take a few moments to talk about one of my recent taskings from Undersecretary Martha Cantor, which is to help with the department's efforts regarding green and sustainability education. I was asked to help lead these efforts because of the work I did on these issues during the Clinton administration. Uh, this work includes completing and disseminating a report about the Green Schools and Sustainability Summit held at the department in the fall of last year, holding regional summits about green education throughout the country, and putting together a uh, matrix of funding opportunities that you can all access at the K-12 level from the various federal funding sources in Washington. Is anyone here interested in green education also? Because that's an international issue, believe it or not, that uh, whenever I speak overseas, they're all doing, leading the world in green education in one way or another. Um, while somewhat tangential to my, to my primary role in international and foreign language education, I wholeheartedly believe in the importance of it for our kids, for the future. Um, I believe that both international and green education are essential components together to developing a world-class student population, and both must be prominent features of schools and universities. Now let me continue speaking about the importance of international and foreign language learning. Um, they're both historical and contemporary examples which demonstrate how dedicated the federal government has been to this work. The genesis and intent of the foreign language and international programs we administer are not, um, despite what I said earlier, partisan. They're, they're of national concern and rooted in the work of dedicated public servants at the career level. A good place to start is to briefly describe 
the historical foundation of the 18 programs that comprise the office that I administer. Most of the programs in our Eiffel office fall under what's called Title VI of the Higher Education Act of 1965, but they really began in 1958 when Congress passed what was then called the National Defense Education Act. This law was signed by then-President Eisenhower in a response to challenges posed by the Soviet Union and their launch of the Sputnik satellite. In a statement about that act, President Ike said, much remains to be done to bring American education to levels consistent with the needs of our society. The federal government, having done its share, it's now incumbent on the people of the country working through their local and state governments and through private agencies to redouble their efforts towards this end. Even though President Eisenhower made this pronouncement over 50 years ago, I'm astonished by how you know, relevant those comments still are today and how the dynamic that he described, the local, state, and private partnership is actually what's happening here in New York with your organization. Fifty years after President Eisenhower recognized this need, some additional important steps were taken. Here I'm referring to the reauthorization of the Higher Education Act in 2008. Uh, that was a bill that was crafted and passed by Democrats in Congress and signed into law by President Bush. I cite the reauthorization of this law because it's what created my position as Deputy Assistant Secretary for Foreign Language Education. Um, and it's also the first time this position has been filled uh, since the Carter administration, which is, you know, over 30 years ago. Um, and it's the passage of this bill and my responsibilities at the department which really represent an area of vital national importance that both parties understand is just too important to really subject to bureaucratic gridlock and partisan politics. So that's why both uh, parties work together to pass it. More recently, the new administration under the leadership of President Obama and Education Secretary Arne Duncan have clearly recognized the importance of international education. A contemporary example of this was last May when Secretary Duncan gave a speech to the Council on Foreign Relations. Did anybody see that speech? Go online, download it, hear about it. We have one person in the back of the room. Yeah? Okay. Have you ever seen an education secretary speak to the Council on Foreign Relations? Exactly, okay. In his speech, uh, Arne Duncan said, quote, because <clears throat> I put this in there, in the 21st, because we're all tasked whenever the secretary gives a speech to, you know, add in, and that's where we get an opportunity to kind of help shape it for, for the secretary. He said, in the 21st century, a quality education system is the centerpiece of a country's economic development, and it can be the one thing that unites us as a world. In this global economy, the line between domestic and international issues is increasingly blurred with the world's economies, societies, and peoples interconnected as never before." Unquote. That speech is important for several reasons, as I said, not the least is of which is because it's the first time an education secretary has ever spoken before the esteemed Council on Foreign Relations. And, but the intent of his speech directly aligns with the work that you're all doing here. 
And I'm here to tell you that from the President to the Secretary to Congress on down to me, we're all working together. We're all in this together, despite the funding, funding challenges that we have, and we all support the work that you do. One of the reasons why the Secretary made that speech is because of an administration-wide effort since President Obama entered office to kind of recalibrate our foreign policy. I think you all remember the speech that the President made when he first got into office um, in Cairo, Egypt, in June of 2009, which was in many ways uh, historic. In that speech, the President said, quote, I've come here to seek a new beginning between the United States and Muslims around the world one based upon mutual interest and mutual respect, and one based upon the truth that America and Islam are not exclusive and need not be in competition. Instead, they overlap and share common principles. And in light of the recent going on, goings on in Libya and, and Tunisia and, uh, and, and Syria, how prescient was that speech, you know? So the mutual interest and respect that the President referred to will, will only occur if our country and the Muslim world take the time to learn about one another. And one of the best ways to do that is by you know, the work that you do, which is learning and teaching our respective common languages. When we witness these sorts of seismic events that are kind of going on in the Middle East and North Africa, it's important to confidently state the simple truth that our country is better off and much safer when we have deep reservoirs of language and cultural expertise. I thought I heard some clapping there, and that's what, I'm, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> Your work and our office's work combine to strengthen that reservoir. We've come to realize that we can't sim simultaneously be a great economic, political, security, and cultural power while not understanding or engaging with the world that we're trying to lead. It's through education and learning that we'll be able to disprove that contradiction once and for all. The work that you all do here as members of the New York State Association of Foreign Language Teachers is part of the foundation of how we can prevent misunderstanding and how we can respond to what's going on in the Muslim world today. A sense of national urgency is why the programs in my office were created more than 50 years ago and why they continue to be relevant and effective today. In addition to understanding the historical roots of our respective programs, we also need to constantly evaluate and enhance them. As I'm sure you know, the federal government, like everyone else during these challenging economic times, is taking steps to make those programs more efficient and more effective. The President recently, recently submitted the FY 12, 2012 budget, and it clearly reflects our collective need to win the future, as he said in his State of the Union address. And while there may be some dispute among the parties about how best to do that, I don't think any serious person could really disagree that education is the foundation of how we can lead and engage with the rest of the world. Um, with that in mind, it's important to note that in the President's proposed FY12 budget, funding for Title VI programs, which make up the bulk of our office's work, remains steady. This funding decision is a testament to the efficiency of these programs and the administration recognizing 
their indispensable role in winning the future. However, there's always a however, right? It's important to, to keep in mind that the President's proposed 12 budget is just that. It's a proposal. It's kind of a starting point of negotiations with the other party. Like the recent budget agreement about the remainder of this budget year, the continuing resolution for FY12, which was recently agreed upon, the debate for the FY12 budget is just starting, and it's going to be a rigorous debate. And even our programs, which fund colleges and universities in K-12 at the national level, and you here at the local level in part, are going to be subject to some cuts, you know? But I welcome that conversation, okay? Because I know just how important foreign language and international education is, and how efficient our programs which support those efforts really are. Simply put, I know that the justification for what we do and what you do is as, is as compelling as any other program for our national well-being. Because you work primarily with the K-12 community, it's also important for me to discuss the Foreign Language Assistance Program, or FLAP. I wasn't going to get out of here without discussing that, now was I? Right? Uh, along with many of the other ed programs, FLAP, as you know, has been consolidated into a larger pot of money known as the Well-Rounded Education Initiative. It's a $265 million program to support states and high-need school districts in developing and expanding innovative best practices, including interdisciplinary programs that improve teaching and learning in the arts, history, geography, environmental literacy, and other, and other um, projects. Cumulatively, the overall amount of funds directed to this initiative, including foreign languages, has increased. You used to get, I think, about 26 million kind of earmarked under FLAP. And even though it's all been consolidated now, more money has been added to that pot. Of course, you're going to have to compete against art, history, all these other things. But as I said before, I think that, um, I think that we can make a compelling argument against those, against those other programs. Um, the program is structured this way to allow maximum flexibility by state and local education agencies to apply for and receive funds for the disciplines that they choose to focus on, which is what we were discussing earlier. This is, this is the reasoning behind it. Arne Duncan comes from, let's face it, the Chicago public school system. So this is one of his, his initiatives to you know, give a little bit more freedom to the districts. But that being said, you know, that's why I come out and I speak like this. And if you want me to come out again and speak to some of the decision makers about the importance of foreign language education here in New York State, just give me a call. But knowing this, I encourage all of you to, to find out more about the well-rounded education program at the department and be prepared to defend your reasons why foreign language education is so important and why it should be one of the disciplines that your state or school district applies to receive funding support for. With the substantial data on the correlation between student academic performance and the study of foreign languages, um, like everybody you know, is always telling me, or I'm always telling actually people in conversations that if you, at the, if you study a foreign language between first and fifth grade, you learn math, science, all the STEM-related fields a lot easier. You learn a second language, 
easier in high school. I mean, there's all kinds of empirical data out there that shows the importance of this for other, other disciplines. But if you're not familiar with these studies, I encourage you to go onto the uh, ACTFL site. They have links to a lot of these studies. That's where I get some, a lot of my information from. Um, and do you know Marty Abbott? She's the exact, okay. She's one of my key people for that type of information. But with this budgeted, budgetary information in mind and knowing that the programs in our office and your organization address many of the same topics, let me also tell you a bit, a bit about how we can interface together with the work that we do at the federal level. One program that provides an opportunity for both of us to collaborate is the Fulbright-Hayes Group Projects Abroad Program. That's what I was mentioning a little bit earlier, or GPA. Uh, group Projects Abroad provides funding to support overseas projects in training, research, and curriculum development in modern foreign languages and area studies by groups of teachers, students, and or faculty. Excuse me, the GPA program funds opportunities for K-16 and pre-service teachers, as well as others studying critical languages at the advanced level to study abroad and expand their language skills. Uh, we fund language training in Arabic, Mandarin, Pashtun, Urdu, Indonesian, uh, Vietnamese, and many other less commonly taught languages. One of the Title VI programs relevant to your work is the National Resource Centers program. This is the largest program in our office. We fund it to about the tune of about 75 million, 35 million a year, which are ha that's housed in my office, and it conducts extensive outreach to the K-16 community on the local, state, and national level. The outreach that these centers do includes posting materials and curriculum for language and area studies learning, teacher workshops, presentations to the general public in the form of film screenings, lectures, and public seminars. Another program from our office that you should be aware of does activities relevant to our work, and it's uh, also under Title VI. It's called the Language Resource Centers, or LRCs, and they also receive about 35 million. Those and the NRCs, that make up, those make up about half the funding in our office, a little over half. And if you'll indulge me for a moment, let me just read you an excerpt from one of the grantees um, of, uh, of our LRC program. Um, are you all familiar with StarTalk? Do you know Shushan Wong, the head of it, who got me out to speak at one of her gatherings? Well, that's uh, the na it's a program at the National Security uh, Language Initiative, and it uh, works with our office. The grantee wrote, being the Middle East uh, Language Resource Center helped us to secure StarTalk funding. The resulting 2007 summer camp for high school Arabic students was a pioneering success in at least two ways. First, we made great progress towards developing an apprenticeship model for less commonly taught languages, teacher training, hands-on training being the most likely to affect true change. Our three StarTalk teacher apprentices are now offering Arabic in four public schools, making our state one of the leading states in the nation offering Arabic in public schools. And these are low-income uh, high school students, okay? Second, we demonstrated that highly motivated high school students can successfully learn a great deal of Arabic in a short amount of time. In our three-and-a-half-week Start Talk camp, 
14 high school students completed the equivalent of our university's Arabic 101 course. All of them took our regular 101 final exam, which allowed us to compare them to our regular university students. The results were eye-opening. Two performed amazingly well, scoring as well as some of our best regular university students. And five of them scored well enough to qualify for an A for the four semester credits of our university Arabic 101 class. Now, if that doesn't speak to the importance of, of these programs collaborating with one another, I don't, I don't know what, what does. These programs working together to accomplish a common goal is the sort of kind of integrated efficiency that will act as a force multiplier in these lean economic times. So I encourage all of you to learn more about our programs and just contact my office, andre.lewis at ed.gov, and I will put you in touch with one of our quite capable and efficient program officers. This administration is trying to raise the bar, challenging all of us to do better for our country's children. The need for a quality education to the advanced level is now irrefutable. President Obama has set as one of his main education goals to have the United States graduate the highest rate of students with college degrees by 2020. This goal will require a unified national approach to redefine what the journey of education really means in this country. Part of this re redefinition is for all of us to maybe drop the K-12 label and start using K-16. And I encourage all of you to make that change in how and when you talk about education. As you'd probably agree, the journey from the earliest years of school through the post-secondary level needs to be seamless and an expectation for all our students. This reconceptual reconceptualization will require coordination between elementary, secondary, and post-secondary, and we're, we at the administration level are asking all of you to have that conversation in your communities. And um, I'd like to maybe close by asking you to consider what a recipient of another program dedicated to language learning, the Boren Fellowship Program, expressed recently. You all remember Senator David Boren from Oklahoma? He was one of the champions of foreign language education um, in the Senate and from Oklahoma what was considered kind of a red state. And I went there and I spoke um, maybe eight months ago to another gathering just like this. And you wouldn't think that Oklahoma would be so focused on K-12 language learning, and they were. I mean, the room was just, you know, packed with all these parents and teachers um, just really beseeching me to kind of help do something at the federal level to keep the spigot open, Oklahoma, who, you know, who would have thought, right, as opposed to, to New York. Quote, the problem with Americans not learning a foreign language, she said, this is just a kid, is that we don't understand what we're not getting. In, in other words, this student was saying that by not speaking a foreign language or by not having a deep familiarity of another culture, our national security, and our economic competitiveness suffers. If we don't know these things, we can't identify the ways to be more competitive or how to meaningfully engage with other people around the world, which 
essentially is really what all this language learning is, is really all about. So thank you for having me, and I'll be happy to answer any questions you all have.